the Sunday Sermons Podcast. Today is the fourth day in a series called Game Changers. We're remembering together that Jesus didn't come here just to help us get a little bit better than we used to be or a little bit better than the people down the way or whatever else. He came here to completely change everything. And as we're getting ready, gearing up for our big annual celebration of his death, burial, and resurrection that makes that possible, today is the day that we're remembering the formational rhythms that actually transform us along the way. it's, It's such a wonderful thing. I don't know about you, but I look forward to Easter, Resurrection Sunday, whatever you want to call it. I look forward to that more than most other holidays. It's just so important and so central to everything that we believe. I love it. But it would be totally meaningless if we didn't actually live it out day after day, week after week, month after month, all year long. That's why we celebrate it every single week together. That's why there's so many ways that we need to celebrate by how we live. The Three Rivers Collaborative, and I said that wrong last time accidentally. I said collective. It's Three Rivers Collaborative. Uh, They say this, transformative churches, and again, that's all real churches. If we're not transforming ourselves and we're not being changed into the likeness of God, we're missing the whole thing. But transformative churches incorporate personal and communal Rhythms. That's things we do alone and things we do with other people, things we do over and over. Transformative churches incorporate personal and communal rhythms into a disciple-making culture. These rhythms include spiritual formation, intentional community, and missional activity. They recognize that if they form mission-minded disciples, they build the church. If, however, they aim to build the church, they may not build disciples. That's something to keep in mind. If we were just trying to fill this room, if we were just trying to whatever else besides make disciples like Jesus taught us to do, even if we succeeded, we'd be failing. Does that make sense? That we've got to be doing what he told us to do. And that is why our church mission statement is we help people become fully devoted and equipped followers of Jesus Christ. Helping people become fully devoted and equipped followers of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to know more about what that means to us and where we get that in the Bible, there is an entire series called Definition that's on our website, among all the other ones that are posted there. You can look that up, and it literally walks you through every single word of that mission statement. But this morning, we're going to just use the three phrases as kind of an outline of how we do formational rhythms and how we feel God calling us into doing it even better. The first part of that is this. We help people become. Just let that hang for a second. Pretty much everybody here, I believe, is good at something. Pretty sure everybody's good at something. And if you're really good at something, here's something that I know. You spend some time getting that way. Do you understand? Raise your hand if you understand what I just said. Hallelujah. Okay? Because even if God gave you a specific talent, a specific ability, if you're extraordinarily good at something, you spent some time practicing. You went to school, or you took lessons, or you studied, or you just practiced, or you just did it over and over and over again. Somehow that became part of your life. 
And, and the things that you can do automatically now very, very well, those are things that you have done over and over and over again and keep trying to get better at. Those are formational rhythms. And what we try to do is help people become followers of Jesus. That means none of us at the beginning are followers of Jesus. And all along the way, we've got to get better and better. That, that process of becoming more and more like Jesus never stops. Here's a couple of really big words that we usually just use at church, but I want to make sure we all understand these this morning. If you already do, hallelujah, that doesn't surprise me, but just in case, let's make sure. One is justification. Justification is it got a bad meaning, and it's not that one. The bad meaning is this. You're trying to justify yourself. You're trying to convince God and everybody else that you're good, even though you're not. That doesn't work. Justification for Christians means this. God himself, by the power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and his victory over sin and death with his resurrection, God himself declares you right in his sight. That's justification. That, that's, that happens the moment that you first give your life to Jesus, and it happens over and over the rest of our lives. If, if you are following God and submitting to him, and in his mind, he declares you righteous, then you're righteous. That's justification. But without him, we, we can't. So that's why here's, here's how we help people become followers. We go where they are. We get outside of our boxes and we go where they are and we meet them there and we embrace them there. We see them with the eyes of Jesus and we know that they are just like we are without Jesus. They're broken. They need help. They're not followers yet. And we embrace them as they are there, but we also love them enough to invite them into the family, invite them into the kingdom, invite them into this journey to walk with us, to be justified and also sanctified. That's the second big one. But first, let's read Romans 3, verses 23 and 24 together. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Now, as we reach out, we've got to remember that it all depends on Jesus. But we also got to remember that Jesus always teams up with his people. That's just how he does things. Here, here's, here's something Jesus said to the experts of the law in his day. He said, and you experts in the law, woe to you because you load people down with burdens they can hardly carry and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. That's one of the things the church has struggled with. The church capital T, capital C, all Christians have struggled with over the years is we, we try to get people who are not believers. They're not followers of Jesus. They don't even, they're not even sure there is a God. And if he is, that he's our God. They don't, they don't believe at all, but we try to get them to follow our rules. We expect them to, to be exactly like Jesus, even though we're struggling to be exactly like Jesus. And we've been on the journey for a while. It's dangerous. It's scary. And it, it actually shuts the whole program down. We've got to take the gospel to them. Romans 10, 14 and 15 says, How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. 
So sanctification is an ongoing process where we are not only being set apart, sanctified, set apart to do this job God gives us, but also we're becoming more and more like Jesus in the process. This is what we invite people into. We help them become followers of Jesus, kind of in the same sense that we help someone, if we were to perform a wedding, we help them become married. Or if we were to deliver a baby, we help that baby become born in that sense. But then there's the ongoing sense as well, as in you actually help people have a good marriage. You help that child. You raise that child and train that child. Does that make sense? This is an ongoing process. Helping people become fully devoted, fully equipped followers of Jesus is both all the time at the same time. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel. When Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, he's, he's wanting to transform all of those. We don't just do things differently. We think differently. We feel differently. The very core identity of us is our soul, and that changes instantly. But all this other stuff, it takes a while. It takes some formational rhythms. It takes some time of doing the same things over and over again. A, a good image you might help, help us all really connect with this is ripples in a pool. Ever drop something in a pool of water? If you haven't recently, you should do it. There's lots of water around here, so it's easy to do. There's lakes and sometimes puddles, and you probably have a bathtub or something. You could, you could make this happen. But you drop something in water, it all goes out, right? Okay. This is something that Jesus created the world, right? So he, 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 it's the same creator, but he uses this pattern a lot. For example, his disciples, the original disciples, uh, Jesus spent a lot of time just him and God, just one person. That was kind of the rock in the middle. But then he also spent a lot of time with just three, Peter, James, and John. Then he spent a lot, a lot of time with the twelve and then we know from other passages and just reading this story as it goes, there was about 120 people roughly that were with him most of the time. And they, not just those 12, but a whole bunch of people, men and women. And then there, at any given time, there may be thousands of people or nobody else at all that were on their fringes. Can you see that ripples in a pool? And, and when Jesus said, here's how I want you to go and reach the world. He says, start in Jerusalem, spread out to Judea. Spread out to Samaria, eventually the ends of the earth, ripples in a pool. And what happens is when God starts to change our soul, then we start on this journey where all the rest of us has to be systematically transformed to be like Jesus. Little by little, not just our soul, but our heart and our mind and our strength has to be transformed. And that happens by doing this every single day. I'm really excited that tonight we're going to have a thing called Mark My Words. It's a, it's a dramatic retelling of the entire gospel of Mark. I encourage you to come back. Um, whether you do that or not, I also encourage you to just read Mark chapter 2. If you want to see Jesus being a game changer, Jesus making it just so unmistakably clear 
to the religious leaders of his day, there's just no way to misunderstand the whole chapter. But in that chapter, there's this uh, another amazing visual that I hope we can capture and keep going the rest of this morning. And that is this. Whoa, I just kicked that. It's, he said, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. I'm sorry, you can't put new wine in old wineskins. You have to put it in new wineskins. How many have ever heard this one before? Part of helping people become disciples, part of the reason we need new formational rhythms in our life is because Jesus doesn't fit in the old ones. The Holy Spirit doesn't fit into any box that we try to put him in. Anything that we've done already and we already have down, whatever God has next for us, it's not going to fit in that. We've got to try something different. We've got to try something new. And not just something random new, what we feel he is leading us to do. Are we tracking so far? Reading my text? Good. So we don't just help people become. We help people become fully devoted and equipped followers of Jesus. Let's say that much so far. We help people become fully devoted and equipped. We'll get the rest of it in a second. Honestly, again, just like only Jesus can save us, without the sacrifice of Jesus, without his victory over sin and death, there's no way that we could ever save ourselves. All the good works in the world could never save us. Nothing could make up for the penalty of sin being death and God being really serious about that. Jesus has to save us, and yet he's invited us into that process. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit is the one that, that um, equips us. It's the Holy Spirit who inspires the, a deeper devotion than we can even kind of even imagine. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us closer to God and invites us daily deeper and deeper into him. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us the gifts that we're supposed to use to get the work done. And yet again, he asks us to devote ourselves to that. He asks us to respond to that, to respond to that invitation. And if we don't, we miss, we miss the whole thing. This was the same way in the Old Testament as well. Exodus 19, God's talking about the old law. He's talking to Israel at this moment. But he says, now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What do priests do? They interact between God and other people. And what does holy mean? It means set apart for a specific job. Luke chapter 14, verses 25 to 27 says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Other passages and uh, other places where he said something similar, he says you have to take up your cross daily and follow him. But this is a complete devotion. No, all costs. If that costs you every other relationship in your life, every other resource you've been given, that's the kind of devotion that Jesus expects. 
And anything less just isn't even, it's just not anything to him. Marathon runners, when they cross that finish line, here's something you know about them. They didn't just decide to run that morning. We talked about this a little bit last time. They, I guarantee you, probably started like ripples in a pool. They probably said, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to run a marathon. It started with an idea, and then it made some choices. I'm going to buy some good running shoes. I'm going to figure out some way where I I can run about maybe a mile every day for about a week or two. I I don't know exactly the process. I've never actually done this, but does this sound familiar? Do you know what I'm talking about? Little by little, you go a little further. You train a little. Pretty soon, you're having to take days off work or completely reschedule how and when and where you work so that you have time to run 10, 15, 20 miles several times a week. And little by little, your whole life becomes, at least for a season, about being a marathon runner. But you're not even a marathon runner yet. You're just about to run one marathon. Once you run that first one, you can say, I have run a marathon. But a marathon runner is somebody who does that again and again and again. Those formational runners, rhythms, just keep changing them more and more. Those, those real marathon runners are the ones who do it all the time. The people who have any chance at all winning or even finishing in the top 100 or so, their whole life is about marathons. I'm not saying yours should be or that mine should be. I'm just saying this is how it works. This is how it works for us as well. So for Christians, we have some very specific things that we can use. They're called the spiritual disciplines. How many have ever heard of the spiritual disciplines? If you hang around for a while, every fall we go back over them in a fresh way every year, but we go back make sure we're all on the same page, that these are the power tools that the Holy Spirit uses to really change us. But if you're trying to make some changes, I'd like you to notice really quickly on here on your sermon outline, which is also Bible study. There's always more on this than what I cover live. And I hope that you come back and let the Holy Spirit walk you through this at home. On the back of it this time is some practical ideas about every single thing we're talking about today. Some ways you can actually try it. Because, again, the whole point of formational rhythms is these are things you do. They're things you're going to do over and over again. You don't have to do every one of these, but these are some ones you can try. So here, here's, here's some of them up at the top. The spiritual disciplines. Some of the spiritual disciplines are meant to be done alone. And, and they're mostly the ones that actually help us break out of the mold. They're the ones that help us really connect with God and also connect with our own soul and our own mind and our own strength and our own heart. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Listen, please hear me this. You cannot love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength unless you are in touch with your heart and soul and mind and strength enough that you can actually submit to him. And you can't get in touch with who you really are and how you really feel and how you really think unless you work into your life some sort of a rhythm where you get quiet and you get still and you get alone and there's nobody but you and God. 
There's so many ways to do that. There's journaling and there's fasting and so all the, there's so many cool ways to do this. But I'm telling you, if you're not doing that at all, there's no way that you can submit all that to God because you don't even know who you are anymore yourself. You're just constantly filling the void with entertainment and constantly filling the void with doing stuff for God or somebody else. But if you don't have that time alone, you're missing it. That's the start. That's the rock that drops in the pool. Dr. Stephen Covey says, private victory precedes public victory. Self-mastery and self-discipline are the roots of the good relationships with other people. There are also disciplines that most of them actually can be alone or with groups, and they're designed for both. These are usually ones that are actually formational, not just to help us kind of get our bearings and where point A is, but to actually get us to point B and then help us make that point B be a new point A and keep going. Is this, is this making any sense? These ones are things like Bible study and prayer and meditation and worship. These are the new wineskins. These are the new things that happen that become who you are and what you are becoming and little by little began to be a whole new thing in your life. And then there are some, at just like those ripples go out, then there are some that can only be done with other people because they're for other people. Jesus always connected. It was always Jesus who said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's consistent throughout the Old and New Testament, but Jesus made that super clear for us. But some of these are ones where you serve others. You can't serve others. You can't fellowship. You can't give unless there's somebody else involved. Is this making sense? And sometimes we try to just do those things without the other ones. We try to get to the outside ripples before we drop the rock in the middle. And that's why it's so hard and so confusing. It's got to start in the middle. But it does have to get there. Dr. Martin Luther King says, Prayer is a marvelous and necessary supplement of our feeble efforts. But it's a dangerous substitute. Again, hear me on this. You've got to pray. We don't pray enough. We don't even begin to scratch the surface on how much power there is in prayer. But if all you're doing is praying that God will help you be more patient or help, help you be more whatever else, you're missing all of these things that he's already provided for you. He wants to, he wants to answer those questions through an ongoing daily relationship with you and these formational rhythms. That's how he does it. And, and probably he's, you pray for those things, he's going to call you and give you opportunities to be in those kind of things. Look how 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17 kind of encapsulates all these. We're going to start wrapping up here this morning. Please, please hear the last couple things because these are so important. But Paul writes, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let's get really practical for the last couple minutes here. Let's talk about getting ready for celebrating Christ's resurrection. 
especially if you have younger kids today. And part of your job, part of your job as a Christian and as a parent right now is actually helping somebody else, some very young people, form some formational rhythms in their lives. I think it's really important that we make sure that our kids remember Jesus rather than bunnies and candy. That this day, whether you call it Resurrection Sunday or Easter, whatever you want to call it, that it's not about the crazy stuff that has nothing to do with Jesus. That it's, it's remembering him. And I'm not being listening. I'm not trying to, to uh, demonize those things. Uh, but, but I think it's really important. We know from the Veneral Bead, the historian known as the Veneral Bead, that um, <clears throat> about the same time that Rome was officially converting to their version of Christianity, and so they were replacing their eight-day week with the Christian, Judeo-Christian seven-day week, and they were making a whole bunch of other changes. They tried to incorporate a whole bunch of different other traditions. And just like we call Thursday, Thursday, it was originally Thor's day. Does everybody know that? Like Thor, the god of Thor. Okay. We have a lot of great things happening on Thor's day. Not in honor of Thor. You with me? But, but the Venerable Bede says that the Astra month was chosen for some reason. That's where we get the name Easter. Now, Astra, or Easter, there's several ways to say this. It's the same goddess of fertility and spring that is named in several different cultures in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. One is in Israel, they called her Asherah or Ashtaroth. <laughs> Scary stuff. But, but again, it's not named after her. It's named after the season that was named after her do you understand what I'm saying? It wasn't ever in honor of her. And I don't think anybody ever thinks about Easter today. You can use that word. You're not honoring her. This might be the first time you ever thought of that. But here's my challenge. Be intentional about what you teach your kids. Be intentional about their rhythms. Be intentional about how you form these habits and what you call them and how you explain them. Because it's so important. Another thing that you'll see on this handout that we've got are just a couple of really practical ideas. One is, in the middle, we have two great ways to team up. Let's talk about that for just a quick second. Uh, we have what we call ministries here at our church. And those are ways that are specifically group spiritual formation opportunities. See, there's Sunday school classes and a whole bunch of other things. These are listed. These are things that in another conversation we might call the essentials. These are the things that are straight out of Scripture. But then there's also things. There are people and organizations that we partner with to help us get specific things done that maybe not, might not be exactly verbatim out of the Scripture, but there's some things that help us become more effective disciples. For example, and I didn't list all of them on here. Uh, I, there's just so much room. Um, uh, but here's some of them. Alcoholics Anonymous, Celebrate Recovery, uh, the Comcast Lift Zone that's here in our building, Ronet that runs that, Roan County Cooperative Ministries, Life Choices, Family Promise, Hands of Mercy is one that's not on here, but we, we recently stepped up our partnership with them. There's so many of these, and these are practical groups that you can involve, get involved with, kind of like if you were going to join a gym to get in shape or whatever else. One of the real new opportunities that will be here soon, we'll talk about at the end of the service. But here's, 
Here's the thing about your kids. Notice here, I won't walk you through all these. I hope you can read, and I hope that this will just give you a fresh perspective. But as we prepare to celebrate Christ's resurrection, the question we need to ask is, what helps me focus on Jesus? What helps me remember this? And honestly, eating hollow foods, even hollow Easter bunnies, break them open. That's, that's like you could talk about the empty tomb with that. I'm not trying to demonize anything. I'm just saying, what's the most important thing? Does that make sense? You, could, you can look for eggs. You're not celebrating Astra. You're not worshiping Astaroth. But you can talk about how Jesus seeks for us and how he asks us to seek for the lost. Or you could just make Easter all about looking for painted eggs. Does that make sense? Let's keep going. Um, this, is, this is where we wrap up. We help people, let's say it together. We help people become fully devoted and equipped followers of Jesus Christ. And this is the core idea of this whole thing. And, and we don't just follow his teachings, we follow him. And these formational rhythms are what allow us to actually connect with him on a daily basis. He's going to lead us in specific ways if we make these things a part of our lives. Uh, Colossians 3, 12 to 13 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. There's a slide for this if we can get it up there. There it is. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. We're going to keep going. But do you see this? That doesn't happen the day you got saved. That's every day. Are you with me? These things, this is how we live. This is what we do over and over and over again. The next couple verses says, And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. As members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Again, these are formational rhythms. It's stuff that comes back around. It's all the time. Verse 16 says, And let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is stuff we have to do together, right? That's, the, that's why this is important. Just showing up doesn't impress God, but showing up to actually admonish one another and help each other grow, that's a formational rhythm that's actually going to change you and them. Revelation 17, 14 says, they will wage war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will triumph over them because He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. If he didn't call us, we have no chance at all. If he didn't choose us, we have no chance at all. The last one's up to us. You hear that? We have to be faithful. He wants called, chosen, and faithful followers. And that means there's some stuff we've got to do every single day. This morning, I simply would love for you to ask this question. I'm going to go to the back again. 
We're actually going to sing two songs today at the end. Lots of space to just worship, do business with God. If you need to sit back down or pray, get on your knees, I don't care what you do, but I want you to do that business with God. If you've got a public decision you'd like to talk about, I'll be at the back. I'd love to talk to you back there. If you need to come forward and pray, please feel free to do that. But here's what I'd love for you to pray about and make a decision in this direction this morning. Is there some way that you're feeling weak? Some old, broken part of you that needs to change? Ask God what new formational rhythm he wants to call you into that'll help you get out of that. That'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in you and transform you. Don't settle for that anymore. And is there somewhere where you're strong and you know this is something God is calling you into? He's gifted you into that, but you're not doing it. Ask him what's some way he'd like us to do it and do it over and over. And that become part of who you are. Pray that and respond as we stand, as we sing.